Uh, we're going to continue our Thanks for listening to the 242 uh, Young I mean, Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corker. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. There's a lot of awesome insights just into uh, the Great Commission. And so we talked about that. We talked about the assignment that, that Jesus gave his disciples. And we talked about the whole idea behind baptism and teaching and, and really commitment and, and obedience and, and all of those different types of things. And so what I want to do now is sort of, uh, sort of move forward and really begin answering the, the how, right? So we, we talked about the assignment, what God ha- has given to us. I guess what I want to do for these next couple services is focus on individuals who began living out that assignment, who began actually walking out and saying, hey, like... I know what God had called me to do. I know what he, he told me, go, make disciples. So we want to look at some, some stories in Scripture where people started to do that. You know, and I, I think about the disciples when they first were, were called, you know, by Jesus, how, you know, a lot of them were fishermen. And, and uh, you know, you can imagine be, being a fisherman, it's not probably a very exciting, it's not probably a very exciting life. Uh, you go out fishing, you throw your nets out, sometimes you catch something, sometimes you don't. You know, that's kind of the life of a fisherman. And I see the stark contrast between the disciples when, you know, they're, they're just living their own lives, and then the disciples when they meet Jesus. I mean, in Mark 1, right after they encounter Jesus, and He calls them, they're, they're seeing miracles happen. They're seeing demons being cast out of people. Later on in the mystery, Jesus empowers them to go out and to do the miraculous. So there's quite a few incredible things that are taking place. They're not, they're not bored anymore, that's for sure. It's not, a, it's not a boring thing to be following Jesus. And I think sometimes, you know, we can get sort of stuck, Stuck in those, those ruts. And, and so anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. But we wrote a person's name down at the end of last service. And this was sort of, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the whole idea of investing in people, right? Uh, being uh, an individual who doesn't just consume, 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 but, but is willing to not only be poured into, but to pour out, uh, to invest in people, to sacrifice for others. And so each and every one of us, had made the decision to, to be intentional in somebody's life. And so we talked about how it's in Christ's authority that we do this. We talked about how it involves us walking with people in life uh, and, and being there for them. It, when we also talked about growing in our lives daily and what that looked like. So now we're going to kind of get into our text and really take a look at, at some examples of people who did that. Uh, in their own life. So Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 16, it says, One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She, fo- she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. And they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in to the inner dungeon and clamped their feet, uh, their feet with stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. 
Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All of the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with them and with all who lived in, their household, in his household. Rather, Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Let's pray. Father, we just ask right now that you would just minister through your word. God, that you would just really uh, speak to us tonight. God, that through your word, we would be changed. That through your word, we would be transformed on the inside, O oh God. We ask that you would lead us, lead us, Lord, to practice the power of presence. Father, to practice presence in our life and to see amazing things take place. Lord, we ask you minister to our hearts now and help us to walk out of here different. Help us to walk out of here changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So like I said, tonight I want to talk about the power of presence. The power of presence. And there's really two things that I want to talk about. Two main, I guess, points um, that, that we are going to discuss tonight. And, and the first is that presence can cause problems. Presence can cause problems. Now we're talking about getting involved in people's lives. And here's a story in Scripture where Paul and Silas, they get involved in a situation that leads to, to a problem, right? There's a problem that's caused because of their involvement in this, in this girl's life. And, and I want to just take a moment and, and speak to this because Presence is a messy thing. It's messy, right? It's, it's getting involved in people's lives, taking that step forward to say, I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care you know, what you're going through right now. I don't care what decisions you've made and, and the consequences that you face because of them. I am going to stay in your life. I'm going to involve myself. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be present no matter what the situation is. And sometimes that can be messy. Sometimes that requires from us some sacrifice. And it's easy sometimes uh, to want to avoid being thrown into the mess. You know, we, we want to, you know, if we want to get involved in some way, you know, we can kind of say, well, you know, well, let me just give money uh, to, to that person and they can take care of it. You know, they could be involved in, in that person's life. I'll just donate. I'll just donate to it or or maybe, you know, somebody comes up to you, you know they're going through something, you know, really stressful in their life, and there's just a lot going on, and, and you know, inwardly, you know you should get involved, you should, you should offer more uh, than just a simple prayer, but you say, you know, I'll be praying for you. You know, I'll, I'll be praying for you. Because uh, I'll be praying for you is a good way of, of sort of being involved, but not being involved enough to where it's messy enough to mess up our schedule. It's nice attending church. It's coming into church and, you know, I can sit down, I can hear my message, I can, I can clap my hands to some worship, and I can leave and I don't really have to get mixed up in, in people's problems, right? Now, am I, don't get me wrong now. I'm not saying, like, don't come to church, don't give to, to help people, or, you know, don't pray for people. Those things are really important. But do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see where sometimes we need to ask ourselves, am I willing to get my hands dirty? Am I willing to invest in somebody even though it means it could be messy, even though it means I might need to sacrifice a little bit? Am I willing to invest in someone? Am I willing to be present in their lives regardless of what that means? Presence by nature, it calls us into the mess. 
That's what it does. When, when we, when we want to be present in people's lives, presence calls us into the mess. And Paul knew this and understood this more than anyone. I mean, we're looking at a situation in his life where now he's in prison. But he had already been on a missionary journey with, with Barnabas. Uh, he, he had experienced, you know, he's encountered sorcerers. Uh, he's, he's been used in the miraculous. He's been planting churches. Uh, you know, there was an instance in a couple chapters before this, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but, but he was doing some miracles, and all of a sudden people were like, hey, some Greek God showed up in human form. Let's worship him. And they're going like, whoa, 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 take it easy. No, 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 no. And, and then all of a sudden, that same mob who was worshiping him, somebody comes in and they turn the mob on him, and he gets beaten almost to death. Some people actually think that Paul was beaten to death, and the church came around and prayed for him, and he's actually raised back to life. Uh, and that's in Acts chapter 14. I mean, if anybody knew that presence was messy, it was Paul. He understood that being involved in people's lives It's not always easy, but he made the choice to involve himself. And now Paul, he's on his way to the synagogue uh, to pray, uh, as was his custom, and and he meets meets someone along the way. He's interrupted by some crazy chick shouting at the top of her lungs. Some chick with issues shows up on the way to prayer. And we've all been there, right? Anybody, anybody drive a car in here? And you're on your way to some place that you need to be by a certain time, and there's somebody in front of you who just enjoys doing 35 and a 55, has no care in the world, and you're like, oh, my God. You're losing it because you're on your way somewhere. And I love what Charlotte Gamble, she's a, a lead pastor in, in, uh, of Life Church in the UK, and I love what she had to say Uh, in regards to this, and it's sometimes we're too busy being on the way that we miss the people that God places in our way. We're so busy being on the way. God, i got to get to school. You know, I'm going to be late for class. I don't have time. to. Oh, I know you want me to talk to this person right now, but I don't have time for it. Or, God, I need to to get to work. I'm late. And I know you placed this person in my path. but, But, God, I don't have time for it right now. I'm on my way somewhere. I'm too busy to stop and to address the person that you're placing in my way. Now, I'm not saying that, that Paul was ignoring this girl by any means, but I, but I see just a valuable point that can't be overlooked here is that we have become so busy as a society uh, just with our own schedules that we don't have the time that we need to designate it towards people who actually need it, need us, need presence in their lives. And we can get caught up in in even godly things, right? He's on his way to prayer. He's on his way to pray. And this girl shows up, and he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything at that moment. And it made me think, like, wow, how many times do I get caught up, even with, like, godly things, right? I'm, I'm in church a lot. I'm a pastor. My job. Right? I'm in church a lot. And I can get caught up... And the work that I need to do that I can, I can miss out on people. This is something that I've been kind of going through lately is just, uh, you know, there's always things that need to be done, projects that need to be taken care of, that started, completed. And I don't want to be a pastor of projects. I want to be a pastor of people. I want to make sure that, that I'm moving forward and I'm present in, in the lives of people. And I can get even preoccupied with, with the latest project or, or this or that, uh, the, the latest strategy for ministry and lose sight of people. And and we can do that sometimes too in our own relationships with Christ where we're like, God, I need you to help me right now. God, there's a lot of growth that needs to take place in my life. Well, you know, I can't really go over there and invest in that person because, Lord, you need to work on me first. I I need to get to the point where I can do that. And we become so inwardly focused in our relationships with God. And then what happens is 
We get stuck in that routine. Church becomes church. I come in on Sunday morning. I, I go to connect group on Friday night. I, I come to service on Friday night. You know, I'm, I'm sort of there, involved. But I'll be honest, it's kind of boring. It's like being a fisherman. Casting out my net now, sort of routine. Sometimes I catch something, sometimes I don't. Sometimes the preacher's words kind of fill my heart. My heart starts, mm, I need to do something about it. Sometimes it doesn't. And we get kind of caught in this really boring routine. And can I tell you that if you're bored with your relationship, if you're bored with, with, with Christ, if you're bored with the whole church thing, it's because you've kind of forgotten the reason that you exist is to be present in people's lives. The reason that God has placed you here is to be present in the lives of people who do not have hope. And so many times, you, I think about Paul. You think Paul was bored? You think he got bored with this Christian thing? You think he got bored with this Jesus thing? You think Peter was there twiddling his thumbs going, man, this whole being used in the miraculous and you know people being changed forever, yeah, it's just really boring. No, they weren't doing that at all. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were filled with purpose because they were every single day running towards the mess. And they were in situations that we would look at and they'd be, it's crazy. It's crazy that they would go through what they did. But they went through what they did because they weren't afraid to step in the mess. They weren't afraid to get involved in people's lives. And so we see such a powerful, a powerful display of passion, a powerful display, uh, uh, even of purpose. Like these guys knew why they were here. And you ever get so like, so focused on yourself that you forget why you're here. Like you get in that routine of like just the whole church thing. And then you actually feel like, man, I don't even have like a purpose right now. I don't even know where I'm going. And we forget that our purpose is actually for people. Our focus is, is so on ourselves that we miss our purpose. And our purpose isn't, isn't for us to go get, you know, the greatest job in the world. Our purpose isn't for us, you know, to, to, to rack up our, our cash in the bank account. Our purpose isn't to be successful. Our purpose is to win souls. To be present in people's lives. To have people experience the love of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we're too busy being on the way that we miss the people that God places in the way. The second thing that we can do is we can delay being involved in hopes that it'll, it'll all just work out. I think one of the big questions that I had as I'm reading through this is I'm asking myself, why? Why did Paul actually wait so long? I mean, he, he saw this girl she clearly had issues. Why did he wait so long to help her? And there's quite a few different thoughts. Some people think that it was a timing thing, that, that he was waiting on God to kind of give the go. But I mean, I don't really buy that because of how he, res he responded in exasperation. He was basically annoyed like, by the girl, or rather by the demon in the girl, and responded out of annoyance. Um, so, I, you know, if God was like, now, I don't think you'd be like, me, like, like annoyed, you know, because God was speaking to you, you get what I'm saying? Other people think that it was uh, sort of a discernment thing, that it took him a while to figure out that, uh, you know, she was, she was actually possessed by a demon uh, because she was saying the right thing. But Luke, when he writes this, he, in the Greek, it actually, when it says she was possessed by a spirit, in the Greek, it's, it's actually called a python spirit. And, and what that spirit, that connotation that it, that it kind of brought during that time, uh, the Greek god Apollo uh, would have uh, a priestess. And this priestess would take on uh, a human individual and, and speak through them, and they would be considered an oracle uh, of the priestess of Apollo. And so... Because, uh, because Luke says that, to me, that, that shows that this girl uh, w was pretty popular in the area. I mean, the fact that some guys are making money off of this 
uh, kind of proves that as well. She would have been known in the town as the oracle. She would have been known as the person who speaks on behalf of Apollo, the Greek god. And so for Paul to be discerning, it, it doesn't match up. And so for me, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, like we mentioned before, Paul was stoned nearly to death, maybe to death, um, at Lystra, two chapters before we're here. Now, obviously, it was probably a little bit more of a span of time. But I'm thinking that this guy, having an encounter with, you know, the Greek gods and, and getting mixed up with all of that stuff in a, in a citywide riot, him being stoned nearly to death. I mean, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to think, man, if I do something, there's a good possibility that I could, I could stir up some trouble, that there could be some issues. And, and I think personally that what Paul was doing was He was probably thinking, I can still build this church. I can still invest in people without getting involved over here with this crazy chick. Because I know if I get involved here, it's going to cause problems. It's going to thwart the work that I'm, I'm, I'm doing right now. If I get involved here, it may take away from me being able to, to invest and, and develop this church. Do you see the frame? Work that frame of mind. To me, that makes sense that in order to continue pursuing building the kingdom, building the church in that city, he would, he would sacrifice, you know, making an effort of getting involved in order to see maybe the church build. And I think sometimes it's really easy to focus on the not so messy cases. We can look at people in our lives and say, you know what, I, I can really take some time and I can really invest you know, in, in maybe a person who, who is new in their faith or a person who believes in God. And we know that he had an encounter with a person named Lydia at, at the river. And she was a prominent woman. She was a God-fearer. And he had involved her, himself with her. He, he basically got to know her. She invited him over for a meal. And she accepted Christ. And, and that was the beginning, right? That was a prominent person that he got involved with and, and really helped to start developing the church in Philippi. But then all of a sudden, a not so attractive case shows up. A person who's, who's you know, kind of going to hinder what he's been working on. And sometimes we can get so focused on, on what we think we should be doing and we miss what God is placing in front of us. And instead of making a move on it, we say, you know, maybe somebody else, you know, there's a person in my life. I know I should probably say something, but, you know, maybe later. I, you know, I've got other things at church that I can focus on. I've got other things that I can do, uh, you know, with, with the young adults ministry or, or, you know, another ministry at the church. And I know I need to get involved in their life, but, but I can hold up. Maybe somebody else, maybe somebody else will get involved and I won't have to. Maybe somebody else will, will share Jesus with them and, and, and I won't have to. And we begin looking at our situation and saying, okay, God, you know, I know you're in control. God, I, I know you want me to speak to them, but, I, but I'm doing a work here. And if I, if I address this situation, it's probably going to interfere with what I'm doing. And that, that might have been where Paul was at, and I'm not saying that's where he was at, but I'm just saying that might be a possibility. And I definitely see that in our own lives. God, you know, that person, that's going to be messy. That's, that's going to be a lot. That could cause some problems. But there was a girl who needed deliverance. And there are people in our lives who need deliverance. I mean, we got people that we, you got people that you work with. Friends that you, that you have relationships with. People that are broken and hopeless and do not have the love of Jesus Christ. And God has placed you in their path. Are we focusing on the less messy and neglecting those types of people that are 
are going to maybe throw a wrench into our plans. If we aren't willing to face the messiness of getting involved, then we will always be delaying in hopes that it will all work out. And that kind of leads to my third point. We have to be willing to face the messiness of getting involved. Verses 19 to 23, it talks about how, you know, they finally get involved, even, even to the point of exasperation. That's what I like, that Paul de- delayed getting involved. And God still used, even though he was annoyed, God still used him. And even if God has to bring us to the point of annoyance or frustration until we get involved, he'll do it. He'll bring us to where we need to be in order that we get involved. Now, obviously, we all just want to jump out of love and compassion, right? That's the motive that we want. But sometimes we're so stubborn that we have to wait until the point of frustration before we get involved. But either way, God can get you where you need to be. But we have to be willing to face the messiness of getting involved. They get involved in the situation now the master, their ma- uh, her master's all like messed up, mad. I don't got no money anymore. That's good English right there. And they're upset, so they begin to stir a public dispute. Paul and Silas are now beaten, stripped, beaten, and, and put into prison. And they, they're now facing a messy situation. And I, th- I think we often don't get involved because we're afraid of what will happen if we do. There are times that we choose not to get involved because we are afraid of what it will look like to be involved. What's going to happen if I actually make the choice to involve myself in their situation, to be present in their life? What sacrifices am I going to have to make in order to be present, to show God's love, to invest in their life. I feel like fear is the number one enemy that the uh, number one tool that the enemy uses to keep us paralyzed and, and useless in accomplishing the assignment that we've been given. Go, make disciples, teach them to obey, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Fear cripples us and keeps us from, from accomplishing that assignment. And now Paul and Silas, they, they get to the point where they finally make that choice to get involved, and now they're in the middle of, of prison. That's a problem, right? That's an issue. They're in the middle of prison now because they chose to get involved. And you're like, look, look, look what happened. They got involved, now they're in prison. You want me to go to prison? I don't want to go to prison. And it might not be prison, but there's many other things that we consider problems. And we don't get involved because, God, if, you get, if I have to get involved with that, that means that, that it's going to interfere with, with my schooling. God, if you, if you want me to go there, it means that I'm going to get messed up. My time's going to be inconvenienced. God, if I get involved there, it's going to require money. Me giving money. And that's a problem. And we look at situations... And oftentimes we can say, wow, if I get involved, there will be a problem. But I think what's so powerful about presence is that presence turns a problem into an opportunity. Presence turns problems into opportunities. Paul and Silas, they live their lives for others. And I want you to grasp this, okay? They live their lives for other people so that other people would experience the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what it was all about, that God would just use them in the lives of people, that God would use them so that lives would be transformed for the glory of God. Their whole life was dedicated to people. And now they've gone from building the church, investing, you know, and and really growing this community of believers, and they've been plucked from that community of people, and they're stuck in the middle of a jail cell, shackled at the feet, beaten on their back. But they were in the middle of a group of people. And because their life was about people, It doesn't matter where they are. 
It doesn't matter what circumstance they're in because their whole life is about other people. They just got moved from a community of believers and placed among people who had no hope. I mean, some of these people are probably going to die pretty soon. And now they're standing or sitting or kneeling, whatever the heck they were doing. They're in the middle of a whole bunch of people who do not know Jesus Christ. And they didn't say, this is a problem. They said, this is an opportunity. When we live a life of presence, it turns problems into opportunities. A person who lives a life of presence is more concerned about the spiritual well-being of others than the physical well-being of themselves. And because they were more concerned about those around them and their spiritual well-being, it didn't matter about their physical well-being. So what did they do? They praised God in the midst of their problem, quote-unquote problem, right? Does it make a little bit more sense maybe now why they were praising God? I'm sure they were praising him for who he is. I'm sure they were praising him because they knew he had a plan. But I think maybe they were praising him because they were just placed in the middle of of, of a situation where people were hopeless and broken and they had nowhere to go. And now they're saying, praise God, you put us here for a reason. Praise God, you have a purpose for why we're here right now. And they're declaring the praise of Jesus Christ. What I love about verse 25 is that it says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying praying and singing hymns to God. And get this, and the other prisoners were listening. The other prisoners were listening. Can I tell you that people... Watch how we respond to adversity. People are watching how we respond to the problems in life. People are looking at us and seeing, are you going to live out the thing that you've been talking about? When things get tough, are you actually going to follow through with what you've been telling me? They're watching. I love the fact that they chose to praise. And I think oftentimes we need to remind ourselves to choose to find a reason to praise. Because that's what they did. They chose to find a reason. They could have sat there and started complaining. It's cold in here. It's dark. These types of dungeons, they were basically caves. Completely pitch black. Stench like you wouldn't believe. You had people basically rotting away in there. And they could have been, God, it smells in here. God, my feet hurt. God, my back's, my back's hurting. God, why'd you put us in here? It's cold. I want to go home. Nim, nim, nim. How many have been there? We're so quick to complain and focus on what God isn't doing for us right now. What he needs to take care of because of our circumstance. And instead of focusing on those things, they focused on reasons to pray. And that's what we need to do in our lives. Because as you begin to focus on reasons to praise, you're going to begin to see God respond to your praise. And that's exactly what happened. God responded to their sacrificial praise. And all of a sudden, I love that, suddenly an earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. And not just Paul's cell door flew open. Not just Paul and Silas's chains broke off. Every door flew open. Every chain was broken. And as you choose to praise, as you choose to find a reason to praise God, in the midst of whatever you're facing, when you choose to praise Him, it's not only going to affect you. It's not only going to bring freedom in your life, it's going to begin to bring freedom in the lives of people around you. You're going to see the influence of the presence of God begin to impact even people around you. People who don't even know you. People who have been watching how you praise. And all of a sudden, the freedom 
in your life, it's, it's going to bring freedom in their life because that's the presence of God. That's the God that we serve. I think it's powerful when we look at verses 27 to 31. Their presence led to a sinner's repentance. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. We're all here. We're present. We haven't left you. It was customary in that time that if a jailer lost a prisoner, the jailer would be put to death. So you could imagine the punishment that would have been on this man's head for losing everyone. He thought they were all gone. The prison doors were open. Why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they be gone? And so out of a hopeless act, because death by his own hand would have been way better than death by his superiors, he takes his sword and he goes to kill himself. But Paul says, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. Those same prisoners that were watching Paul and Silas praise, when the doors flew open, I think it's incredible. We're talking about criminals. None of them leave. I mean, if you think about a criminal and his cell door flies open, his, his shackles fall off of his wrists and ankles. Time to run. Time to move. God just did something great. I got to get out of here. The door says open. I should run through it. Those same people who watched them praise and worship, I believe they attributed that earthquake to their praise and worship. They believe that the very reason that the earthquake shook the prison, the very reason everything happened the way that it did was a result of their praise because they were singing praises to God. And those same people who watched and listened to them worship, watched them not leave their cell. And they did the same thing. They're not leaving. I'm not leaving. Because there's something different there. There's something going on with those guys. And what they're doing, I don't, I don't understand it, but I'm not leaving. And I see the power here. I think about this jailer. Presence sees people, not problems. It had been very easy for this jailer to be the villain in the story. Some people believe that it's very probable he was involved in the flogging process. He was, he was involved in inflicting and beating Paul and Silas as one of the jailers of the prison. We definitely know that he bound them in their cell. And so he had something in those stocks, the way that they worked is they would spread your legs out about as far as they could go. And then they would have spots for your hands and a spot for your head, all in the same stock. And they were only put just the feet. Scripture says they were only, their feet were, were put in the stock. But this man could very well have been the villain of the story. He could have been the one that, you know, was the bad guy. But Paul and Silas don't leave. Stop, don't kill yourself. We are still here. And what I find incredible about this is that they saw the person, not the problem. They could have viewed him as, all right, doors are open, let's all get out of here. Let's get away from that jailer. But they didn't. Instead, they stayed. And I believe they stayed because they understood that, that people are moved by our presence. The jailer, he wasn't moved when they were worshiping. In fact, he slept through it. 
because Scripture says after we were singing and people were listening, earthquake happened, and then he woke up in the middle of the earthquake, saw the doors open. Heck, he wasn't moved by the earthquake. After the earthquake, he, he wasn't, this is God. No, I'm dead. He drew a sword to kill himself. He wasn't moved by their worship. He wasn't moved by an act of God. He was moved by their presence. He was moved by the fact that they cared more about his physical survival than their physical freedom. Presence leads this man to repentance. And after they were present, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought, uh, he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He wasn't talking about a physical salvation because they had just physically saved him. If they were gone, he was dead. He knew that it was a spiritual thing. And I wonder, I just wonder, if this man heard that crazy chick with issues shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they are going to show you the way to salvation. They're going to show you the way to be saved. And now this man is standing before these two men saying, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I didn't care about your worship. I didn't care about God showing up in this crazy, miraculous way. But you just showed me your love and compassion for me by staying. You could have you left. You could have left me here to die. But you stayed. He was moved by their presence. And how many people in our lives are hopeless? How many people in our lives are at a point of desperation? Desperate enough to think those kinds of thoughts. It would be better off if I, was, if I was just to kill myself right now. There are people that face those kinds of thoughts. And we have the opportunity to be present. To show the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. And there might be individuals in your own life that you're even thinking of now. Let me tell you, people are moved by our presence. The last thing I just want to close with, and uh, Shania, if you want to come up. Their presence changed a person's heart. And I think it's really important for us to recognize how incredible it is to be able to be involved. To be able to, to be present in people's lives. And I don't think that we can look at this story and say that there's not power in our presence. That God doesn't show up and do some crazy things when we trust Him and we step out and we be present in the lives of people who are broken and hurting. Because as we show them that we care more about them than about ourselves, it moves them. They're going to see the love of Jesus Christ in us. Presence changed a person's heart. It moved a person from closed to open. Right? I mean, it moved him from the point he's sleeping through their worship. I don't really care. And I know each and every one of us knows somebody like that in our own lives who doesn't care about our God, who doesn't care about who we serve, who doesn't care that we praise him, who doesn't care about any of it. But God's not done with that person. God still wants to use you to reach that individual. Because he was a person who was closed. And now, verse 32 says, They shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. It wasn't just him now. It was, it was his immediate family. It was the people around him that were now being impacted because of somebody else's presence. Can I tell you, presence 
makes, it's a ripple effect. As you impact someone, their impact now impacts others. And it just grows and grows and grows. And they move the person from close to open. Presence moved the person from cruel to compassionate. Verse 33 says, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Think about him possibly being someone who inflicted those very wounds. And now hours later is caring for them. There are people in our lives that we think God will never be able to get a hold of. There's no way that he's going to reach them. There's no way that they're going to find the hope of Jesus. It's impossible. With Christ, nothing is impossible. In a matter of hours, hours, this man goes from beating these dudes to helping them with the very wounds that he created. Caring for the very wounds that he created. You want to speak to love? The love of Paul and Silas? They endured a beating from him and still loved him all the way through to the point where he was caring for, for the things that he cost. How many of us, people have hurt us. People have done things to us in our own lives and we're so sick of them. We just want to keep a record of everything that they've done wrong to us instead of love them all the way through the hurts, all the way through the things that they might even say to us, the things that they might even do to us, and instead of retaliating, loving them to the point of restoration. The last thing, presence moves a person from despair to joy. He was to the point of despair, to the point where he would have taken his own life, but the presence of two individuals changed everything. Verse 34 says, he brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. There are people in our lives that need our presence. There's power in our presence. And so the the call that I would like to give first You feel like you've been too busy being on the way and that you're missing people God's placing in your way. If that that would be you, could I just see a raise of hand? I just feel as if I've been too busy, too busy with my own things. Too busy. Okay, I see those hands. Maybe you would say, you know, I've been pushing, I've been pushing off getting involved. I've been pushing it off and and just waiting for somebody else to do it, even though I know that I should be the one stepping in. I've been pushing it off. Would that be anybody in here? Anybody at all? Okay. The last is just a really simple one. I just need more of a heart to be present in people's lives. I want to be more intentional. I want to be more involved. I want to love people more. I want to have compassion for their circumstance, for what they're going through, to not be so caught up in my own thing that I don't care about what they're going through. And you would just say, I just need a heart to be present in people's lives. Can I just see, show of hands. Amen. Pretty much everybody in this room. So what I'd like to do is to just close in a word of prayer. You know exactly where you're at. Don't let this just be a a word that, that falls on your heart. And you go, yeah, I definitely need to do this. But then, then you don't do anything. You don't leave here and, and change. So tonight, let's make a commitment before God. To be intentional about being involved. To not be too busy to love. To not be too busy to move toward the mess. Father, we just thank you, God, that your presence has reached out to us. That there have been people who showed themselves 
in our own lives. God, that we've experienced salvation because somebody decided to be present in our lives. And God, we just pray right now that you would give us the boldness, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to be present in the lives of people around us. That we wouldn't be focused on our own selves. That we wouldn't be selfish, God. We wouldn't be too busy being on the way. God, that we're missing people you're placing in front of us. Lord, I pray that we would not delay that we would not push people to the side because of something else that we've got going on but they would be our priority Father that they would be the reason why we exist that no matter what we're going through no matter where we are we would have purpose we would have opportunity because our lives would be all about people our lives would be about being used by you for the sake of others oh God and we just ask for a heart of compassion a heart of love. God, that you would just move us toward the mess. Father, that we wouldn't be afraid of of the things that people have going on in their lives. We wouldn't be afraid of the messiness. But God, we would approach it. Father, that we would involve ourselves. That we would be hope to the hopeless. Strength to the weak. Father, a voice to those who do not have a voice. And God, we just ask this in your mighty name. Father, use us for your glory. Everything we are, everything that we could have ever hoped to be, we place it in your hands. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.